This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's Word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's Word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. We're in Psalm 50 this morning, and we're in that group of songs of, I say songs because they are songs. They were written to be songs. We're in that group of psalms. It speaks more, it's more or less of dealing with God and sin and the issues of life and more of speaking to the different aspects of his character and songs about who he is. This is one of them. This is one of those psalms. It's a psalm that talks about God's uh, sovereign power and his strength and his grace and how he works in the world. And it's a fun one to go through. It says, the mighty one, God the Lord. So wait, that's, uh, that's a great way to start a song. The mighty one, God the Lord. He has spoken and called the earth, which means that uh, it's, it's speaking to his, speaking the earth into existence. One of the, one of the songs um, that I really like to listen to nowadays is, says that he spoke and, and, and the stars formed in his breath. And really that's what happened is God spoke the uh, universe into existence. It says, from the rising of the sun to its going down, meaning that God controls the universe. I, when you think about it, and, and when you, especially since we have moved up here to, to the lake and to uh, Dable, in the past, I had I always loved the beauty of nature. I always loved to sit and watch and look and see the different, because it's always different. Each and every day is different. Yesterday, I guess you call them a stork. Yesterday, when we were sitting on the dock, a stork landed right behind the dock on our uh, little flat area and i guess that stork was probably four to five feet tall it was absolutely humongous and and the the beauty of nature but not only the beauty of nature the majesty the absolute enormity of nature and how it is and how it is formed and how it's created is testament to the uniqueness of who God is. He, he is mighty, he is great. He says, he says things and they are. And, and we actually have the right to talk to him. That's the amazing part. He says, out of Zion, the, perfect, the perfection of beauty. He's, his plan, his plan in, in, in the Jewish people and bringing about Jesus through that is the perfection of beauty. It says, God will shine forth our God shall come and shall not uh, keep silent. Notice that he's making the statement that God shows up and God is at work in his creation. There are those who think that, that some being created the universe and then just is letting it happen the way it happens. But that's not the God of, of, of Christianity. It's not the God of Judaism. It's not the God of the New Testament or Old Testament. God is intimately involved and what he's doing. And so he shows up all the time. He's actively involved in what's going on. And uh, the question is never whether God's actively involved. 
in what's going on. The question is, are we actively involved in what's going on? He says, he, our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, meaning <clears throat> he has the right of judgment and uh, he, he works those things and it, it shall be very tempestuous all around him. He is, he's unapproachable light. He says, he shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, and he may judge his people, meaning he has the right to judge. And even yesterday during the sermon, we were talking about uh, God and his discipline, disciplining of his children and bringing us into line. He has the right to do that. He has the right to judge that which is not him and which we choose that is not him. And those who are not his, he has the right to judge them also. He is righteous and just in his judgment. He's full of mercy and grace, but he does have a right to do that. He says, gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And uh, he's fixing to go into a very interesting part of the Psalms. It's really a thing that you see in the Old Testament prophets. It's the idea that God is not, God does not desire blood sacrifices in the sense of he does not desire the animals anymore. What he desires is for there to be a permanent fixed sacrifice and that be Jesus for our sins. He says, he gathered my saints together, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. Notice he's, uh, he's hearkening back to the heavens declare who he is. And this is seen in Romans, Romans chapter one, which is a very, I can't uh, overemphasize the importance of the book of Romans and reading and understanding and seeking out the depths that come from the book of Romans. Because if you don't seek that out, oftentimes you miss out. When it's talking for, for I am not ashamed, verse 16 of Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, meaning that the good news is the power of God to sozo or to save or to sanctify through our faith. For the Jew first and also the Greek. Notice he's saying the Jew and the Gentile. For in it, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, as it is written, as it is written where in the Old Testament, the just shall live by faith. He says, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Same thing the psalmist is saying, God is right to judge. It's being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Notice they're not only unrighteous, but they are suppressing truth by their unrighteousness. He says, because, so if you see the unrighteous lying and suppressing the truth for their own purposes, don't be surprised. God said it would happen. He says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, meaning what may be known about God, they actually have been shown. It's not hidden from them. It is literally manifest in the heart. God has shown it to them. He says, for since the creation of the world, notice this, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. His invisible attributes are clearly seen by his creation. He says, even his eternal power and his Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So they're without excuse. You don't have an excuse. This is clearly seen. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, futile in their thoughts, 
and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changing the glory of the incorruptible God into images made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creepy. It says, therefore God also gave them to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to honor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creator, uh, the creator rather than the, the creature, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another with men with men committing what is uh, shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased base mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with the, uh, all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil, Mindedness, they are whisperers or backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to their parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, uh, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God and those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. They not only do the same, but they approve of those who practice them. So when God is the, when it says in verse six of Psalm 50, let the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. He has a right to judge and Romans explains that. And then it goes into how we come about faith and, and the understanding that the righteousness is not by works or not by the flesh, but by faith. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. What he's saying is I have the right to judge you and I am testifying against Israel. I am God, you're God. And that's with an exclamation point. I'm God and I'm your God. And I have a right to say, many times people go say, who, who gets the right to say these things? God does. He gets the right to say these things. He says, I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. Notice what he said. I'm not interested in your sacrifices anymore because what's, what he's interested in is their hearts. And when their hearts are turned against him, their sacrifices are irrelevant. And, and now the sacrifices represented Christ earlier and their hearts were turned toward God and wanted to know him, wanted to be with him. But now they're just perfunctory religious ceremony. And, and when we do church as a perfunctory religious ceremony, we dishonor God with that. He says, I will take no bull from your house, no, no goats out of your foals. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. What he's saying is, I've got all that. He, it, the issue was never whether or not you were bringing it to me. The issue is where was your heart? Did, you, did your heart desire redemption? Did your heart desire justification? I know all the birds of the mountain and the wild beasts of the field are mine. He says, if I were hungry... I would not tell you, uh, for the word is mine, for the world is mine and all its fullness. He says, I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats, offer to God thanksgiving. Notice, he says, I'm not interested in, the sacrifice was not for the purpose of having the sacrifice or having the meat or having the food. 
He's, he's saying, I'm not a God who eats. I don't need that. He says, what I would like is you to offer God, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high. Are you thankful? But you know, that's a real interesting question because in thankfulness, you review or in your heart, you go over the things God has done for you and you realize uh, where you are and you realize what he's provided. Oftentimes we spend all our time in our own pity party, in our own uh, misery, in our own sinfulness, and we fail to look around and see all the things that God has done for us. He says, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high. Do you pay your vow of thanksgiving to him? Do you? He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Notice, he said, a person with a thankful heart, a person that has a heart that's bent toward uh, a relationship with me and cares about who I, what I'm doing and cares about my work in their lives and cares about uh, what's going on around them that I'm a part of and is thankful for the work of my hand around them. They're the type of person that I deliver because they glorify me with their actions. But the wicked God, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenants in your mouth? I love to see people on TV try to uh, parse the word of God who don't know him. They, they oftentimes take the most clear passages out of context. And even in what they say, there's clarity and they look like fools. He says, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you. Don't, he said, what he's saying is, don't use my word if you're not one of mine. He says, when you saw a thief, you can, consented with him and have been a partaker with adulterers. Notice he's saying, you're actively promoting sin in the world. He said, you give uh, your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You're lying all the time. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. The, these things you have done and I have kept silent. You're, you thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke and set them in order before your eyes. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, don't think that just because that's going on, that it's going to go unnoticed or undealt with. And the older you get, the more you realize that it is dealt with. It eventually comes to pass. The the chickens come home to roost, as, as it were. But the idea that people go through all of life and there is no punishment, there is no there there is no judgment, and and they get away with it all is an affront to God's holiness. And trust me, it does not happen. It it does not happen. It may not happen in the way you want to. It may not happen in the time you want to. It may not happen in the vision of your eyes or the hearing of your ears. But let me tell you something. It does happen. It does happen, and it is not gotten away with. He says, "Now consider this, you who forget God." lest I tear you in pieces and there be none there be none to deliver. What he's saying is those of you who don't listen, you need to listen because notice what he says, lest I tear you in pieces. Whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. And that's those last two verses are just clear as to God's purpose in what he's doing around us. You read the Bible and over and over, He, push, he the Bible teaches and sows seeds of, of faith and sows seeds of righteousness. He says, now consider this, you who forget God, 
lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. Are you a praiser of God? He says, and to whom who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Meaning when you offer that praise and you hear my word and you order your conduct in the right way, he says, I will show you salvation. I'll show you the goodness of uh, of my hand. I'll, I'll show you, I'll, I'll sanctify you and make you uh, great in front of me. I think it's a fabulous psalm. It's a psalm of praise and hope and understanding. And it's a psalm that, that opens our eyes and our ears to what God's doing. It's exciting and and it also is giving us an understanding of God is righteous and holy, and he has a right to judge. In fact, if, if anybody's going to judge, he's the one that needs to be doing it. And I can go to his word that's faithful and true, and I can see the, his will and his ways, and I can know him. I pray that this week you will be a conduit of his grace and mercy and his love and his power and his truth. And uh, remember, you can't have all that without his truth. Uh Truthfulness uh, with compassion and love changes hearts. It does every time, all the time. And I hope you'll be doing that this week. I'm going to be trying to do it myself. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.